Well, good morning again. We are continuing this morning in our now three-part series on Sabbath rest. What a great illustration of, of Sabbath stopping and resting, right? We're all just locked in our homes for, for a Sunday. I was actually really excited, um, this is off notes here, but I was really excited to see um, on Instagram, I think, or on social media somewhere, a group of people who gathered together in their homes who are worshiping as families together. I think this was happening over the Castle Lucio's house, not to put them on the spot. But it was just so beautiful to see, even on a different day with a blizzard, in, that people were gathering together, worshiping in their homes, maybe in a different and unique way. I found that in my own home, um, worshiping with, with our kids, singing with them, the questions that came up. It was just a really fun and exciting thing. And I think it's drawn, uh, in my heart, a desire for this morning to gather again together with all of you. So I'm kind of thankful for that rest, even though it was a weird, a weird weather week. The last time we were together, we saw the idea of a Sabbath rest day coming right out of the very first, very first pages of Scripture, from Genesis chapters 1 and chapter 2. We saw the basis for the Sabbath, is that God created the universe in six days, but on the seventh day He rested. And no matter how we view the seven days of creation, we see in that a formula You see an equation for mankind who was created in God's image to imitate Him. So last week, the last time we were together, we saw that in order to even begin to embrace Sabbath rest, we must first embrace God's purposes for work and labor. We saw that we were made to work with God. And I hope that these past couple weeks here, you've actually even had some opportunities to think about your labor. And I hope these past couple weeks, you maybe even in your labor were able to recognize and even find ways to have your work transformed so that it was done with God or with a mindfulness of God's presence in all of your labor. And now that we have the biblical approach to work, we can turn to seeing what this whole Sabbath rest thing is about. We turn to the other part of the work rest equation and we turn to the Sabbath resting. And our text this morning is Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. And it's the fourth of the Ten Commandments. So you might be a little bit familiar with this passage. We found on page 60 in your pew Bibles, on the black pew Bibles in each of the rows. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. We'll also have it up on the screen as well. You're the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the Sabbath word that we've been talking about, I've been throwing it around as if everyone knows exactly what that means, but I recognize that some of us here, this might be kind of a new idea or a new concept. Now, the Hebrew word Shabbat, it's actually in the Old Testament 111 times. 
And you might be surprised to know that its Greek equivalent in the New Testament is mentioned 61 times. This is no small idea in Scripture. This is a big deal. And generally, it refers to that seventh day, that day of rest that comes after the six days of working. But literally, this word has a very specific meaning. And it means to cease, to stop, to halt. And as we seek to embrace Sabbath in our lives, the first thing we need to do is that whenever we see this Sabbath word, you need to see a giant stop sign. Verse 8 in our text says, Remember the Sabbath. Remember the day of stopping. And we do this by keeping it holy. And to keep it holy, the idea here is to make it distinct or different. We remember the day of stopping by sanctifying it, by setting it apart and making it different from the other six days, which are the days of labor. And that's what we've already established, that those are the days for working and the purpose of glorifying God. So to make it different, really, what this text is saying is it's really just as simple as first stopping, ceasing to work. But I have to ask, why don't we stop? Some of us might be good at this. Some of us might really struggle. Do you struggle with stopping? I'm pretty terrible at stopping. Well, at least fully. I'm more of a rolling California stop kind of guy. <laughs> Anyone else has some laughter? So I think some people who can relate a little bit. To illustrate this point, what is the worst exit on 128? The worst exit on 128. 25. 25 is pretty bad, yep. Anybody else? 20? All of them. That is the correct answer. Thank you, yeah. Now, there's a very important debate here about which one is the worst exit on 128, but for those of you who have been around here for 10 plus years, you may remember 128. One had to seriously question whether or not it was built as an obstacle course. Do you remember that one spot by exit 22? You'd come around the corner and there'd be such a dip in the road and then it would rise back up so quickly you thought your car was going to get air. It was going to go airborne. <laughs> and the worst exit was, I, I, will, I will definitely stand firm on this, it was exit 23 off of High Street in Danvers. My brother lived there and every time I would head from there to here, what you, what you do is, it, it was basically just a residential street. There was all these houses just right here and then you turn the corner and stop sign onto 128 highway and to make matters worse it was you'd stop at the stop sign you look to your left to see if anybody was coming and it was the on-ramp so it was a hill so you only saw about like a hundred feet you, you pretty much just close your eyes you know gun it say a prayer that that was like that was what you had to do now they fixed that but i would submit to you this morning the worst exit on 128 in my opinion i think amanda you're right it's exit 20 okay so exit 20 on 128, it's the last remaining stop sign on to 128. You come up the on-ramp, you know, from North Beverly, you come up the on-ramp as if you're heading here towards Gloucester, and you come to this point and you get to the stop sign. And to make matters, once again, worse with the stop sign there, you have about 100 feet of a lane to sort of get on and merge in. And that also is the exit ramp on the back side of the bridge. So there's people speeding up, slowing down. You don't know what you're doing. Um, but if you're from around here, you kind of get the hang of it, I think. We all sort of got a little bit used to 128. Now, I have to admit, this is my confession this morning, 
when I get to this place, I maybe sometimes treat this stop sign more like a, hey, if you're not from around here, you should stop <laughs> sign. <laughs> I think by mine, I just turn it into more of like a, like a don't crash sign, you know? <laughs> I mean, I know there's a command to stop, but I think I know better. And in all likelihood, I'll probably be okay, right? There's a couple police officers in the room. <laughs> forget what I just said. Um, I'm getting better. I'm working on it. Exodus 20 says that in six days you shall labor. But, here's the stop sign. Here is the stop sign. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Who's supposed to stop? Everybody. Even the animals. Everybody. Stop your labor. Stop. Turn it off. Full stop. Full break. We need to stop, is what the text is saying. But what does it mean to stop? And, and, and why do we need to stop? I, I mean, I think for me, I think about the ways in which I respond to God's call to rest in Sabbath. And they're really poor ways. Right? I think my default is to work really hard and then at the end of the day, just collapse. Veg in front of the couch, you know, on the couch in front of the TV, flick it on, whatever Celtics game is on or whatever. And that is rest. I'd argue that's more of a California stop, right? Because maybe I've clocked out of work. Maybe I'm technically no longer working, but I haven't stopped for any real purpose. And vegging for me never really refreshes me. It's me saying, I know there's a stop sign, so yeah, I'll slow down and make it look like I'm stopping, but like a California stop while I'm driving, am I really just heading towards a crash? Why don't we stop? And there's a call in our text to remember the Sabbath. And we see the first thing we need to know about the Sabbath is that there's a stop sign. One that we have to follow. The Sabbath is first to cease to stop our work. And so this is our goal this morning. To figure out this whole stopping thing. And in order to get there, I think we need to ask, why don't we stop? And I think the first reason is really kind of Simple, but it's going to hit us kind of hard. It's because we're trying to be God. The reason we don't like to stop is because it means that we have to give up pretending to be in control. We have to give up pretending that we are God. We need to stop in order to recognize that lie, the barrier that stands in the way of the commandment in Exodus 20 to remember the Sabbath. The barrier between us and remembering the Sabbath is our belief that we are God. And it's not a coincidence that this is actually this is actually the root of the original sin in Genesis 3. Right? That Adam and Eve were tricked by the serpent, the serpent because of the temptation to try and be like God. Do we try to be God? And this is where the wealth and luxury of, of living where we do 
in the United States and today is really, it, it can be incredibly dangerous. Because many of us have the luxury of really rarely ever worrying about our literal survival. And that helps us to feel like we are in control of everything in our lives. But each one of us knows that it takes but a moment. It takes but a moment for the fragility of our control to be wiped away. For life to feel like it's come crashing in on us. We don't have control. One of my favorite Sabbath texts that I think best reveals this truth is actually in another exciting place in Scripture, Leviticus. Leviticus 16, 29-31. And this is a passage um, about keeping and remembering the Day of Atonement. But God says that this day is a day of Sabbath rest. And what does the text say that we need to do in order to stop? It says you must deny yourselves. You must deny yourselves and not do any work. It is a day of Sabbath rest. You must deny yourselves. It's a lasting ordinance. When I said last week that actual Sabbath resting is really hard, here is the reason why the Bible says this is so. Because to actually Sabbath rest means we have to deny ourselves. There's something in our hearts that needs to be pushed back from, that needs to be rebuffed, that needs to be an autopilot that needs to be shut off. There's a denial that needs to happen for us to stop. And what is it that we're denying? Well, the word denial that's here in Leviticus, it's actually the same word for humble. It's humble yourself. It's actually humiliate yourself. It's saying, remember who you are. Remember who you are not. Deny yourself. Stop lying to yourself. This is getting at the issue of control. And oh, how we love to be in control. Or how we long to be in control of our own lives. We love to plan and pretend like we got everything all together. Just with a little bit of hard work. With a little extra hours. With the right amount of money. With whatever it is that we can scheme We can be the captains of our own destiny. We try to control our security. We try to control our reputation. We try to control our plans for the the future. And it's a lie. Here on Cape Ann, we have this amazing fellowship of of pastors, of of the churches that preach Christ. Uh, It's been such a gift to me, um, and I don't think too many would be surprised here to know that that Tim was one of the people who got it kicked off and got it started in the first place. Um, And a couple months back, we were digging into this whole question of why among this group of people who study God's Word, who preach it, why are we, in particular, so bad at this Sabbath thing? And I was really thankful for one of the, the pastors there. He's actually a retired pastor who still serves in a church up in Rockport. And he said, you know, the issue is, he said, I don't like to stop because that means that I have to admit that all the things that I I have to do aren't things that I can control by just keeping my head down. The problem is, is that I pretend to be God for my church. Wow. I think for all of us in the room that was like, whoa, what did you just say? But it hit, it landed. 
Because we could all relate. I knew I could relate to that. We don't stop because we believe the lie that we can be like God if we just try to control everything. And this is really the barrier between being in relationship with God. This is a major barrier. How can we be in relationship with God? How can we rely on Him? How can we trust Him if we think we are Him? So this is actually the reason that we stop in the first place. To be forced to recognize the lie for what it is. To be forced to recognize that that we don't have everything under control. To recognize the lie in the garden. We have to stop. We have to stop trying to be God. And how do we do this? You Sabbath. You stop. You take a day. You take a moment and you give it to the Lord. And you say, I'm not going to be in control in this moment. You stop to remember that you are not the Lord. To let go of that. But we also stop to grab a hold of something. And that's to remember how much we need the Lord. You see, the basis of Exodus 20 is really simple. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All of this, the command to do this, and it's followed with four. Here's our basis. Four. For what? For God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested. We rest and we work because, well, that's what God did. The call of Exodus 20 is to imitate God. Labor for six days because God did. And rest on the seventh because, well, God did. And it's ironic because even though the barrier in relationship was trying to be God, it's exactly as we try to imitate Him that we can see most clearly that we aren't Him. Don't pretend to be Him, but act like Him. And you will inevitably, all the more, every day recognize, wow, my God is able. I don't care how much you got done this past week at work. You will never be on the same playing field as God Almighty. In six days, the Lord made the heavens, the expanse of the universe, the sea, the sky, everything that is in all of creation. What did I do? I... um, Completed 13 TPS reports this past week. It's an office space joke for those who know that movie. It was a real red letter week for me, you know? Even the most amazing weeks of accomplishment will never be the same in the same universe as God. When we keep our heads down and we only think about our own lives, when we try to control everything in our lives, we feed a delusion that we are somehow holding everything together. And actually, this is really dangerous, right? When I was working at Gordon um, uh, as a resident director, I I worked really closely with the counseling center, and I got to know a lot of students. It was a real gift, um, working as an RD for five years. And I was blessed to be able to be there in some really tough moments with students, get to know their hearts. Um, And even over the course of just my five years as an RD, I saw a, a real shift happen. Every single year, there were, it seems like there was drastic, drastically more and more students who were diagnosed with some degree of anxiety. Now, I do not want to belittle 
the very real clinical impact or basis for a very real illness. But anxiety as a whole is a clinical condition that is at the very least made so much worse and exacerbated when we feel like we are losing control or when you don't have control. And I would argue that students in our culture as a whole, in our own lives, there's this increasing struggle with anxiety to no small degree because we believe this lie that we are being told that you have to hold the universe together on your own, that you have to have control. And it's simply a lie. Acts 17 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands, and He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything. Rather, He Himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You hear Genesis being repeated here? From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Hear this. For in him we live and move and we have our very being. Talk about holding everything together. I said last week, or two weeks ago, that Sabbath is an obligation and an opportunity. It's a command, but it's also a gift. Exodus 20 is about a gift. Remember to stop. Because God who made everything is the one who is in control. He is the one who is holding everything together. He's the one who made the universe and everything in it. It's not you, it's not I. The gift is God has given you permission to remember he's the one who holds it together. For the one who feels like you have to work in every moment to prove like you belong. This may be about control of reputation. Sabbath, stop and see if God doesn't show you how much you belong to him. For the one who feels like you have to work seven days a week in order to make ends meet. Sabbath, stop and see if God doesn't meet your financial needs. I'll give you exhibit A, our church budget this past year, right? We were $30,000 behind in like February. And if you missed it, God provided and we were $270 over. Is that what it was? Through sixty nine eighty two, Praise God. Right? That's not us. Sabbath stop and see if God doesn't meet your financial needs. Or maybe change your financial perspective to where you can see how maybe He's already met your needs. For the one who labors every day in an incredibly important job that changes lives or saves lives, Take a Sabbath stop and see if God doesn't keep working because he's the one who does the saving. Every summer we have picnics here at the church out on the front lawn. Um, and we set up the big circus tent. Show you here. And a number of you have helped me set this thing up over the years. Thank you very much. 
And I think maybe now I almost finally understand how it works. I'm almost there. Thank you for being patient with me. The first time I set it up, um, or I went to set it up, um, I really wanted it to be helpful, but I had no clue what I was doing. So I was just paying attention. But um, the, basically with the circus tents, there's a larger pole that goes in the middle and it holds the center up. And so at first, the whole tent is kind of on the ground and the first person needs to get underneath there with the larger pole and you need to hold that thing up. So I volunteered to do that. It seemed like it was kind of like the dirty job, um, like it was going to be kind of hard. So I was like, I'll do that. Sure, why not? So I climb on in underneath and I finally find the hole and I start getting the, the tent up with the pole. And at first, what you need to do is you need to hold that center pole really hard because the, the four corners get pulled tight so that the whole tent is pulled nice and tight and then it gets tied off. So I'm in there and I'm holding with all my might. I'm holding onto that pole and I'm holding it firm in the ground. Two minutes. People in the corners are tying off the rope. I'm holding it there. Five minutes. I'm just holding it, making sure that it doesn't move at all. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear a voice. I think it's Pigeons. And it, it says, Jake, what are you doing? He's like, you can let go. Oh, and it just st- stood there by itself without me. It was like the voice of God. <laughs> Tejan says, you're not holding it all together. This is the invitation and the gift of Sabbath. When you stop, you can recognize that. You aren't holding it all together on your own. When you stop, you can see that there is one who holds all things together. And no, it's not ropes tied to a post in the corner. It's the God of the universe. And he's saying you don't have to pretend to hold the universe in place. I've got you. And this is clear in creation. That's the basis of Exodus 20. This is clear in creation. But nowhere is it more clear than in the gospel. Right? The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. See, our faith is built upon Sabbath stopping. Because if you try as hard as you can with all of your might to be good enough, to be sinless, to be perfect in the eyes of God, we will fall flat on our face, be hopeless. There is no means by sheer effort to be good enough. And it was exactly in that moment of hopelessness, of trying to do it on our own, that the God who made the universe came in the very person of Jesus Christ He humbled himself and gave himself up on the cross for us. And he rescued you and he rescued me from the miry muck and set our feet on solid ground. Sabbath stopping makes us remember that. We stop to remember that we need the Lord. Now the question this morning isn't, do we need to stop and rest? Even if you're not tired or exhausted or anxious this morning, There's a gift that God has commanded for us to embrace. And it's stopping to remember that we're not Him. To remember that we need Him. So the question this morning is, when will you stop? When will you stop this week? When will you stop trying to be God so that you can be with God? The commandment of Exodus 20 is is talking about a seventh day. And Christians historically have claimed Sunday as that Sabbath day. And there's a great reason why we do this, and we're going to talk more about this next week. 
but it doesn't need to be Sunday. But it's a lot more than lying down in front of your TV at the end of the night. When will you stop this week? And next week we're going to share even more practices to paint a fuller picture of the Sabbath and get practices to engage in in that stopping. And for those who have been involved in the, the Sunday school class that's been going on following this, you've been hearing about some of the different practices to stop, to rest, to follow the Sabbath, to embrace a Sabbath culture and a Sabbath mentality. But the first step in stopping this morning I want to pose to you, it's about fasting. It's really as simple as that. To set aside a different space, a different attitude, to make a day or maybe your mornings holy to the Lord, that you are not the one who's holding all things together, the first thing I want to invite you into is, is fasting. Because fasting is about a denial. It's a denial of something good. Oftentimes that can be food or maybe technology or a number of good things. But it's denial in order to remember that you don't need that thing. And every time you think about it, it's an opportunity to remember how much you need the Lord. It's about fellowship with God. And the thing I want to encourage you to fast from this week is your to-do list. Right? It can be a very good thing. I know it can be a good thing. I know it can feel really therapeutic to cross things off the to-do list. But I want to encourage you to fast from that whether that's from a, for a moment, for, for a, a morning, for an evening, or a whole day. To say, whatever it is that I feel like I need to do to accomplish something this week, to say, I'm going to fast from that. I urge you, consider your schedule. Find a time. Make a plan. Stop and fast. Spend that time in silence before the Lord or prayer. Whatever it looks like. Spend it with your, your family with your kids, spend it in the company of a good friend, but not accomplishing a task. Families, you can do this together. Or make sure that one another is doing it. During the first Sunday school class, I was able to be down there, and I heard this amazing, awesome question. It was from Joanna Bushfield. It was this amazing, awesome question. She said, when do mamas get a Sabbath? And I'm like, that's a great question, right? That's a really great question. And a really simple answer is when the dads so embrace it and love it and know how important it is that they make sure that that's carved out for their spouses. You can do this with one another. You can encourage one another to embrace this. We can all encourage one another in this. I know my wife keeps me honest in this. I know the church staff, Katie, keeps me very honest in this. She's good at that. Tim does a great job of encouraging this in me. And that draws my heart into longing for that Sabbath more for others. So when will you stop trying to be God so that you can be with God this week? Remember, this is the gift of Sabbath. And do you know what the Bible calls time spent recognizing God's presence and knowing Him intentionally? It's called entering His rest. And this is the first piece of finding rest. We have to stop. But when we do, not only will we experience rest in our own lives, but it will begin, we'll begin to actually be shaped by it. 
the more we intentionally choose to stop, the less that the temptation to have control, to, be, to pretend to be God, to have control of our time or security or reputation will have on us. The more we choose the Sabbath intentionally, the more attentive we'll be to the margins, to the interruptions, to the beautiful opportunities to just sit and play with your kids or to be with your families or just to be in wonder of God's creation. It will begin to shape us and we'll love Sabbath. We'll love rest. I know that our text here is one of the Ten Commandments, but it's more than just a commandment. It's a gift. It's the equation for rest and restoration of right perspective. We need to stop, not partially, not partially, no California stops this week, but to deny ourselves. Remember, we're not holding the universe together. We don't need to maintain control over all things, over all people. Instead, God is the one who holds all things together. He made the world in seven days. He rescued us all through the work of Jesus, so we received his gift of stopping. We remember how much we need Jesus, and Jesus alone when we stop. We stop to remember that we need the Lord. And there we find rest. Will you pray with me? God, our hearts and minds are so go, go, go in every moment. But we stop and we fail to recognize your presence. We fail to recognize the moments where you are so lavishly pouring your gifts out on us. God, I pray that you would stir in us a desire to trust you, that you got this thing. That you have us, that you hold us together. Lord, take away our striving, take away our idol of busyness. Lord, I pray for those who are just feeling so broken this morning, who are in so, so much need of rest and restoration. Lord, I pray that your peace would be on them, that they would find your Sabbath, your stopping for those of us who need to hear this command and this obligation, Lord, stir in our hearts. Give us a desire for more of you today. You are such a good God. You have made all of the universe. You made all of it. And you also think of us. You would stop and you would rest to give us a perfect gift. Lord, that draws us into worship and to praise of your holy name. You are good. We love you. We praise you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.